Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. My intention for you today is to leave this show feeling inspired and empowered and confident, especially in your parenting. <laughs> and parenting, my friend, is not for the faint of heart. The one thing I know <laughs> is mom's guilt does not help really help anybody. It may short-term serve your child to get what they want, which may be okay, or it may actually be the very worst thing for them, because especially if they're learning how to get things out of guilt, how will that serve them long-term? And as you know, I am here always in the thinking of long-term sustainability and what's the least cost to us, what's the least bit of resentment. So Mom's guilt is what I'm going to be talking about today. And I have a lot to say on this, and I am not a parenting expert. (laughs) So bear with me. I will not be writing a book on parenting. I fail in parenting about every day. And I have four kids, blended family. They are 34, 30, 20, and 18. And I, my friend, have screwed up a lot. Really, I have. I would never call myself a parenting expert. And I can, just like you, be really hard on myself. And the one thing that I've learned is that mom's guilt helps nobody, especially ourselves, which then trickles and ripples effects to those around us. And right now, with what we're going through in this global pandemic, we're exhausted, our surge is depleted, We've been going on this now for seven or eight months, depending on where you are, and even longer in some parts of the world, if you're in Europe or in Asia. And our guilt is really high because these humans that we love so much, who are extensions of ourselves, who, if you're like me, was brought up with, oh, I will love my kid more than myself. I will do better for them than I was done for myself, right? That's part of my Asian culture it can trigger even more guilt in ourselves because we can't fix what is currently going on. And we're all exhausted. And our kids are going through hardship that we've never faced being in this global pandemic. And we can then beat ourselves up. And then the other thing this can do is lead to worrying. So the worry is really high right now as well. And I'm seeing this. So the guilt is high and the worry is high. Now, as you know, or if you're new here, maybe you don't. So I'm a trained dare to lead facilitator. And this is the work based on the research of Brene Brown. And one of the things that I learned from her that I'm constantly reminding my clients constantly. So Brene Brown has a definition of guilt, which is guilt is I did something bad. And the differentiator between guilt and shame is the definition of shame is I am bad. So one is on behavior and one is on who we are. And oftentimes I find with moms, we just intermingle the two. (laughs) I'm guilty. I did something bad. I didn't go and pick up my kid and I had, you know, somebody else pick up my kid from such and such. And therefore I did something bad. And then therefore see, of course I'm a bad mom. Like it just becomes this downhill spiral really quick. And 
right now with COVID, I'm seeing an increase with mom having more guilt and shame about their parenting. Now, I want to invite you to consider, you can consider, and then if you don't like it, you can throw it away. You can hit delete on this podcast, right? That's the beauty of it. You get to decide. You are the boss of you. You are the leader of your life. So invite you to consider this. You're not supposed to be everything for your kids. My friend, that is total BS that you're supposed to be everything. The jack of all trades, be there for every moment, be there for every need. It is your job to make them happy. That is an impossible standard for yourself. And we've all drank the Kool-Aid, myself included. That's why I started this show back in 2006, because I felt like I was failing as a parent. Like, oh my God, I'm a horrible parent. I can't do it all. I was trying to be everything for everybody versus going in and going, who am I? What do I have capacity for? What do I want to do? And what can I source out? So I'm going to be talking about all this today. And when we think, when we hold the standard that we're supposed to be everything for our kids and we're supposed to self-sacrifice, and I watched my mom do that, so I learned how to do that really, really well, then I become a martyr. And then at some point, like I can do it and I can play along nice, and then I blow and I have quite the gladiator in me. And either I inner gladiate on myself and beat the crap out of myself and hate on myself and go down that spiral. And you can imagine that's not any fun to be around, or I offload to the very people that I love so much, which isn't fun either. It has a lot of pain and a lot of destruction that happens. Not that we can't rebuild from destruction, but it's just unnecessary. So that's why I want you to consider letting go of this impossible standard that you have put upon yourself. Whatever the standard is, really think about what is your standard that you are telling yourself that you must abide by. And the reason we need to let go of this impossible standard is we think (laughs) we're actually helping our kids, but my friend, we are creating a burden for our kids because they will then, maybe they're not realizing it now. I didn't realize it when I was a kid or as a teenager, I didn't realize the self-sacrificing my mom did was being implanted into my subconscious, into the rules that I would later as an adult go, oh, well, this is the way I'm supposed to live. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to do things. I'm supposed to do things I don't like to do all the time because that's what moms do. I'm supposed to self-sacrifice. I'm not allowed to do what I want to do, right? So I didn't realize the unconscious programming I was collecting, nor did my mom. She did the very best that she could with what she knew. And she tried to do better than what she was provided for her. I'm not blaming her. She gave me tremendous opportunities and she did a lot for me. And she also taught me what not to do. And I have been really working on some of that programming that was done unconsciously. And some of the programming was from the television shows that I watched, like the Brady Bunch and Carol Brady. And I picked that up and I thought, well, this is the way like a good mom does it, except that it all wasn't my life. I still want an Alice in my life who takes care of my home and takes care of me, but that's not my current reality, especially in the middle of this COVID situation. That was my plan for this fall, being empty nesters. And that's not happening. People aren't coming into my home and that's okay. So when we have these impossible standards and these rules that we're living by that aren't our chosen rules, they've been either culturally programmed, they've been told to us by a family of origin, the people we grew up with, 
they've been, who our friends are, and we think we're supposed to live by them because that's the way the people that we know, or they've just been how we've seen those we love do it. When we don't question that impossible standard, we are burdening our kid to grow up thinking that at some point they will realize when they're an adult, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to do it. Just like I did that. Or maybe they're not the caretaker in that sense, but they marry somebody and they expect their spouse to self-sacrifice themselves for the sake of their children. So either your children are going to expect themselves to become like you, because we do, we become more of our parents, or they will find somebody in their life and expect them to do the same. And when we lead by mom's guilt, we eventually create a lot of resentment. And I'm not saying that, you know, for some of you, you get really excited about being the mom and doing the mom things that are really important to do. And that's fantastic. It's not mom's guilt. You're doing it because this is what lights you up. It's like some people really love to buy presents and do celebrate birthdays and some people don't. And that's okay. Like Everybody has their thing of how they like to do it. There's not one way. So let's stop this nonsense that we're supposed to be everything for our kids. And then I want to talk about worry because one of the things that moms are really good at is worrying about their kids, right? And I heard this recently, I don't even know where, but it was like this idea that, oh, when you worry, you're showing people that you really care, right? It's, it's kind of a form of approval whoring, you guys. For those of you that like people pleasing better, you can call it people pleasing. I can't do that. That's too nice. So for me, it's approval whoring. It's like, oh, see, I worry. It's me hustling for my worth and showing, see, I really care because I'm worried. Let me just spin this energy. And there's another factor of it because our brains are hardwired to keep us safe and especially to keep our children safe, right? They're extensions of us and we care about them and it's a very vulnerable feeling and there's so much that we don't have control over in their lives. And so we believe it's our job to always protect versus looking at what are they capable of. When we worry, we are bringing that emotional energy into that space. And I talk a lot about that on the show about be responsible. I learned this from Joe Bolte Taylor years ago, be responsible for the energy you bring into the space. So when you worry, you're going to bring that in. Your kid is going to feel that your children are going to feel your worry. And they're either going to develop a resilience so they don't take it on, which it could be fantastic life skill or they're going to take on your worry and they're going to feel it. And it doesn't feel very good to feel worry, especially somebody else's worry. It's hard for them to feel confident. So when you are worrying, that's the energy you're bringing to the space. Pay attention to what is it you just rehearsing tragedy? Like, oh, you're forecasting the worst possible case scenario that's not even going to happen. Or are you worrying and you're saying, okay, what are the risks? And you're working on mitigating the risks. But then there's a boundary around that. My question for you to ask yourself is, do you want your child to get filled up with worry energy or would you rather they be filled up with your confidence in them? My friend, that is what is so powerful. When you can have confidence in them and they can feel that, think how empowered they will feel especially on those days, not that you always have to feel confidence for them, but on those days, you know, when 
I've said on the show, like you may not believe or you may not have hope. That's okay. I have hope for you. When they don't have confidence and you can show up with confidence for them, that is fantastic teamwork. That is what makes us rise up together. So when you go into worry mode, notice what's the energy you're bringing to the space. When you go into guilt mode, notice what's the energy you're bringing to the space. Guilt is, I did something bad. That's the message you're bringing into the room. Is that the energy that you want your kids to feel? And there's a difference between, I really screwed up. I said this as a parent and I acknowledge that that's not my, I had a client recently do this. She started asking her adult son when he and his girlfriend were thinking of getting married. And she's like, as soon as it came out, she knew like, oh, this is not something we talk about. He doesn't want to talk about this. Why am I bringing this up? And she had to circle back (laughs) a few days later and say, I apologize, you know, for bringing that up. And that was not a conversation that he wanted to have at this time, right? Those weren't topics and everybody's relationships have different agreements of what's okay to talk about and what's not okay to talk about, right? So she had some guilt and, but then she could own it. And that's what we want to be able to do is own our falling down moments and be able to circle back instead of, oh, I've done something bad. Let me beat myself up and put myself in a shame storm and then really disconnect. And we leave our children, whether they're children or adult children by themselves or without you, without that connection. And remember, we are so good at looking at all that's wrong before we even check in with, what do I want? What is my dream? What is my vision? What is my intention? So what's the energy you want to bring in? And this mom's guilt that we have, we need to let go of because it doesn't serve our kids. It may in the moment because maybe they'll get the lollipop or the ice cream or this or that, but oh, at some point there will be a cost. And maybe it's not when they're little and cute, you know, and darling, and maybe it's when they're older, but then it's accumulation of that gunny sack that's hanging on your back. Now, one of the areas that I see some of my clients struggle with is this idea of being a working mom. And look, there's not a right or wrong, like you need to be a stay-at-home mom or you should be a professional mom. There's not a right or wrong. It's about figuring out what's best for you, what's best for your family, and what are the needs for your family. Some families, like mine, especially when my kids were little, I needed to work. The income that I generated was critical for my family at the time. And for a majority of my marriage, I've been the breadwinner. It's just the way it has been. And it's also because of the certain lifestyle that I want to live by. So people have different visions. They have different standards of living. There's not a right or wrong. It's what do you want? What do you desire for yourself, for your family? What does your partner desire? What are the obstacles? What is it you want to create? And then you get to choose. So some people, men or women, they want to be stay-at-home parents for a period of time. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Some parents maybe want to be stay-at-home parents. Like there was kind of like the Carol Brady thing. I I wanted to be the stay-at-home parent, not because I wanted to, but because I thought I should to be a good mom. And there was this horrible parenting baby book that I read about 
you know, and it had all this guilt about how I need to wear my baby all the time and how I need to create this connection. And I thought, how can I go back to work? And it was so much dread. And I finally realized like I couldn't read that book because my reality was I needed to go back to work. I didn't have maternity to leave and I needed to provide for my family financially. So when those were choices that I made and this book wasn't serving me. And so I did not read that series. I will not recommend that series because for me, it was just a shame trigger to my reality. For some people, they may love that book and the science or the philosophies of that book. I don't know how much of it's science, more philosophies. So some moms are great stay-at-home moms. Some moms are great working moms. I'm one of those people (laughs) that I'm way better to be a working mom than to be a stay-at-home mom. The problem was, is that I compared myself for years to my friends who were these amazing stay-at-home moms. I was like trying to be them and trying to be this woman who worked. <laughs> like I was trying to be like that damn Angela commercial for years. <laughs> All this cultural programming, right? There's the media stories that my mom's stories, my friend's stories, there's like thousands of stories swirling. And I'm trying to say, this is the narrative I need to be instead of, wait, what's the story I want? What's my narrative? Who am I? I would be a horrible stay-at-home mom. I'd be a tyrant. (laughs) For me, it's not what I can do. And I'm not saying I'm better or worse. It's just not for my wiring. And that's okay. The beauty of being a woman in this day and age is we get to choose. We get to choose, especially living in the country that I live in. I get to choose. But when my kids were little, I had tremendous guilt. And the problem with that guilt was I was trying to fit into, I was like a square peg trying to fit in round holes, right? It didn't work. And then I would hate myself and beat myself up. And again, remember it led me to the show. So it worked out to be a great obstacle for me because the growth that I had from this show. And now that my kids are all done with K through 12 education, I've learned that my parenting is still not done. (laughs) And I'm laughing with myself because in my early 20s, I thought, oh, I was so naive. I was like, yeah, once my kids are 18, I'm going to be free and parenting will be done. No, that's not how it works. And sometimes I'm needed more now than when they were five. And sometimes it's way harder now than when they were five. And then I think back to the years that, you know, when we had nannies and for the kids and, and I had all this guilt, like, oh, I'm such a bad mom. If I just didn't want to work and I would stay at home. And it wasn't that I just wanted to work. I also, our family needed the income. And yes, there was a lifestyle I wanted to live, but when they were really young, we needed the income. There wasn't, it wasn't even about a standard of living. It was, there was a necessary need for the income that I provided. But I had all this guilt about having nannies. And I was really diligent about the people that came in and worked with my kids. And that's probably where I first started learning my courageous voice of being clear about what I wanted. And of course, I could advocate way better for my kids than for myself. So having being a parent was great in teaching me how to have a voice and was one of those small steps in me cultivating the voice that I currently have. So my narrative that I had was, oh, I am a bad, selfish, and negligent mom. It was guilt written all over the place and shame. I should be at home. How dare I want to have a career? Remember, we really needed the money I made just to have the standard of living that we had. Not, I mean, it wasn't anything excessive, but to pay the bills, it was the hierarchy of needs. We were like making sure that all that stuff was taken care of. Now, the unveiling that happened, like when my kids were in high school, what they told me their narrative was, 
They love their nannies. They're like, this is great. These nannies, whoever they were, right? They had different ones that they loved. Their narrative was, my daughters were, these are people who are going to spend all their time with me. They're going to play with me and they're going to feed me. It's going to be me time. (laughs) So they thought it was fantastic. As I'm like rushing home, feeling all this guilt (laughs) of the day, they were like, this is awesome. They really loved it. And of course, they had some babysitters they didn't like, and they could tolerate that. It wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. They typically liked the female caretakers more than the others. But we had this great nanny when they were young. He was a boy. He was he was male and they loved him. Same as Noah. And then they had some babysitters, some former swimmers. They were guys and there were some that they didn't really like too much, but it all worked out. They were fine. They were safe. They just refused to talk to them. And they have great stories from those outings. So we have different narratives and sometimes we're so stuck in our own narrative that's shame and guilt-based, we're not even checking in to see what the truth is. And it also can be really hard with a four or five-year-old. So we may not be able to evaluate at that point, but that's really about checking in and going, okay, what is the intention? Why is this the decision that we're doing? Is it that I'm really being selfish, you know, or is it not? In my case, I wasn't being selfish. I was actually doing this to provide for my family. You know, it was important to do and I needed to stop with the guilt. So check in with yourself, ask yourself those questions, be a critical thinker versus being judger. Okay. One of my clients this week was talking to me about her daughter and she has all this mom's guilt because she's building this company. She's this badass executive, you know, just on fire leading. This is a big dream of hers. And She's hiring these executives and building stuff and it's been phenomenal. And we're in the middle of COVID. So she's doing this in her home, right? Versus going into the city and into the office had she done pre-COVID. And she has all this guilt. Like during the summer, she's like, Corinne, if I were a stay-at-home mom, I would be at the beach with her. Now, here's the thing. My client is a single mom. That's not a reality. She's not only providing for her and her daughter, but she's also providing for her and her daughter's future. And she's providing for her future so that when her daughter is older and when she is older, that my client can take care of herself and doesn't burden her daughter later on by having to financially take care of herself, as we all know, the cost of long-term care. So she has this great vision for herself. There's work she wants to do. And then there's the financial realities of what she wants to do. So she's had this guilt and it's come in and out because she'll get into this compare and despair with other moms. Now, here's the thing that she realized this week. Her daughter is getting a behind the scenes, unfiltered version of real life badassery. And her daughter came to her and said to her, you know, mom, you're actually really good at what you do. (laughs) don't you love our kids? (laughs) They're like, so here we're like trying to make sure we puff them up and hold them up. And our kids just like go right for the jugular. You're actually really good at what you do. (laughs) So my client's trying to receive that. And she's like, well, you know, I I work hard. And she's like, no, mom, you're really good at what you do. Like I watch what you do because her daughter is seeing these zoom calls and these conversations and her mom problem solving stuff and leading and holding people accountable and having the vision and 
having the difficult conversations and leading the team forward and falling down and having doubts. She sees it all because our kids do, right? And especially right now, I didn't even think about that till I was coaching her. The beauty, one of the beauties of this global pandemic, for those of us that are working at home, is your kids may get this backstage pass that they may not have seen. So her daughter had a narrative, oh, my mom just likes to work and she just works too much and it's because she likes to work versus, wow, my mom's doing really important work in this world and look at her go. Now tell me, is that something to be guilty about? Her daughter is getting this amazing viewpoint and her daughter may at some point decide I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't want to be a working mom. And that doesn't mean that my client did anything wrong. It gives her insight. One time I had this young coach She was an engineering major on campus and she was the number two engineering student in the department. She graduated number two in her class on the women's side, really, really smart. And she coached with us, but she also worked with me in the office and watched me with my kids. And this was probably about 10 years ago. So they were like, what, eight and 10. And even though we worked a lot, she saw the the fluidity and the flexibility and she, that really shifted her of, I don't want a standard eight to five or nine to five office job. She watched, she looked, started looking at her parents through another lens about how they've built their careers and what they do and what really gives her meaning. And there was a pivoting point by seeing like, oh, there's a different way. Right. And I remember her saying that to me. So she thought, oh, going into college, I need to get that engineering job. I need to work nine to five. And she tried it. And she now has her own nonprofit that she leads. It's aligned with the work that she wants to do. She's really smart and she's building that. Right. And it was partly what she saw, how we do things here, how her parents did stuff and the careers that they had. So you never know what people will take away from your leadership as a mom. But if you really want your kids to be empowered, don't do it from a place of guilt. (laughs) Let's do it from a place of really aligning with what fits for us. I talk a lot about on the show, what are your values? What are your priorities? Not what are the world's, not what are the cultural programmings? priorities for you, not even what your family of origins priorities are for you, but what are yours? Now, going back to my client, right? Her daughter is a freshman and doing distance learning in this global pandemic that we all have. And my client, was like, Corinne, you know, she had actually traveled and come back and she's like, gosh, I need to, I, I should be figuring out this school situation and helping her figure out there's some issues and I should be figuring it out. And remember the daughter, while her parents are divorced, she does have a father who's involved as well. But my client was taking this on, like this is hers. If I was a good mom, I would do this too, in addition to everything else that I'm doing. Raise your hand if that is you. You can be walking and you can just raise your hand. People may look at you. That's okay. We fly our freak flags around here, very high. So my client was like, okay, Corinne, so this weekend, I'm going to get on these Facebook parent groups for support. (laughs) I don't know about you, but the Facebook parent groups for support in my town. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have to like walk in prepared for that place, man. So I didn't say anything, but we talked about this and I reminded her, you know, as women, we tend to be fixers, right? Especially her and myself, like we're fixers. And then, you know, I think about shows like Scandal, right? Where Carrie Washington's character was, she was a fixer. So like, it's like, let's celebrate that even more. If we're really badass and strong women, we're going to fix what I have learned is actually we're much more badass if we don't fix, but we support. And we may not always know what support looks like. Because again, it may be different for you than it is for me. And the other thing is, while there's some things that's important for you to fix, 
there are some things that's really important for other people to do. And usually it's our kids. So instead, I invited her to ask her daughter, what does support look like? What do you need? And then for my client to ask herself, what are you willing to do to provide support? Because there may be a gap between her daughter's idea and her idea. And this is where we need to create that Venn diagram and see where's the the overlapping. And, you know, if there's another spouse or another parent, or there's an aunt or an uncle or a tutor or somebody else, another adult in their life that may actually really like that aspect and maybe within their wheelhouse or their strength. And then if they can do that. The final thing I asked my client was in 10 years, do you want to be fixing your daughter's life? Before I could even finish that question, she was like, no, she couldn't get that out fast enough, right? That's not the kind of relationship she wants to have with her daughter. And that's a really important boundary because when we have that voice that's telling us it's our job to fix, if we're a good enough mother, we need to think about that. What is our responsibility and what is not our responsibility, even when it may be somebody that you are legally responsible for. And then you have all those messages from whoever saying you are responsible for this. So the next thing I want to talk about is this idea that it's all on you. If you're a good enough mother, we need to let go of that BS. It is just BS. Let's call it for what it is. It's not all on us. It's, we need a village. We need a team. And I think about in my own life growing up of not that I'm an N equals one experiment, but in my own life, right? I had my parents, I had my mom and my dad. And there were times in my life that my aunt was really good or my Korean aunts or my cousins or, you know, they were in coaches. Holy moly. My swim coaches were my lifelines or teachers or friends, parents, right? There were always these other people. So yes, my parents are important, but who are the other people? So it's not really all on you to be a good enough mother. Who are the other people that you can help build a team to support your child? Who can give them a hand when they need a hand? Who can believe in them, especially when you may not be able to believe in them because it's such a trigger for you? Who are those people? So let's let go of it's all on you. It's not. It's a village. And the other thing that's really important, because I hear this all the time from parents, is your child's happiness is determined by your ability to be there for whenever she wants you to be there or he wants you to be there. And really that's not the case because we're not teaching boundaries. So I had a client and she's this total badass, really, really smart woman, professional, and does these really complicated financial things. And her daughter was like, Hey, can you pick me up or drop me off? You know, cause I want you to see so-and-so's cat. My client was like, I'm trying, she's like, I can't drop you off, but let me see how my day goes. It's kind of crazy, but I'll try to pick you up. I'm like, but won't the cat be there for another time? Like, just because we have a young child who wants it right now, do they need to get it right now? Is there a request to magic wand that they should have it right then? And is that within our Venn diagram of being able to say yes? Or can we say, I'd really love to meet this cat. And how about we pick another day? maybe on the weekend when I can make sure that I can be there because I don't want to say yes. And my day blows up and I can't be there because my client has a responsibility because her contribution is the revenue she brings to her family. Like we all have contributions to our families. 
right? Her daughter has a contribution to the family of going to school. Whether it was agreed to or not, that's part of the unconscious agreement that our children have with us. <laughs> right. So instead of allowing ourselves to go, oh, I feel guilty and I need, it's my job to make my daughter happy or my son happy. Their happiness comes from within. It's our job to honor the commitments that we make. And when we honor those commitments before we even take them on is, can we truly honor them? Are we saying yes in spite of ourselves, which will then lead to resentment. And when we do that, we actually are driving ourselves in the wrong direction because of our guilt. Because when we say yes to please other people, to accommodate other people, it's going to lead you to overwhelm and burden. And then what happens is that actually puts on a lot of weight onto the relationship with your kids, or there's going to be a ripple effect. Either you're going to be mad at your job or your spouse or your friends. There's going to be something that you're going to offload your pain onto. Another area of guilt that I've been hearing about is from parents of college children, right? And I have two right now in college and, and I have a daughter who is an incoming freshman and she's not living in the dorms. And that was a decision that would not agree to her living in the dorms. And my husband's more amicable, but I was not. And so she found a way to get me to yes. And so she moved into an apartment with other swimmers who their own bubble with. I've had so many people say, because I have all these peers and friends whose kids are either off to college or going off to college and saying, well, you know, this isn't fair, that this is such a tremendous hardship. And then I look at who my daughter has become during this global pandemic I just hope she's so proud of herself because wow, this young woman and who she's become and how she's used her voice. And I almost had a little pity party for myself because on her final, she can move to, she's going to town. So it's her apartment's not too far away, but so she was moving stuff over in batches, right? In three or four different batches. And we only helped her once. And really because I imposed myself on her. I said, no, I want to come and I'll help you move. But all these other moves, once we got the big stuff in, she's been doing on her own. And as she was doing her final goodbye and allowing me to take the picture, as long as I didn't post it on Facebook, that was her boundary. I felt like, oh, that story of, oh, I'm a bad mom. I didn't like go with her to move. I wasn't there doting and helping her decorate. And I asked her, I said, did you want me to go, you know, for this final move? And she's like, no, mom, I've got it. I've raised her to become the woman, the vision I've had for my kids, which is to be independent, strong, self-reliant women who can also ask for help. And she's good at doing that. Today, I got texts asking about ground turkey or turkey because she was at the grocery store and she'll call me at the grocery store and ask me questions like, is this ground beef okay to buy? And so she's figuring this out. So she'll call me for that. But the things that she's capable of moving, setting up her apartment, She's done it on her own. And so it would be indulgent of me to beat myself up and say, oh, you're such a bad mom. You didn't go with her. You're not like those Facebook, you know, moms that are posting all this stuff and decorating all the stuff like that, my friend, is not in my wheelhouse. Me decorating, mm -mm. I might like to clean, you know, and get things cleaned up, but me decorating, nope, that's not me. Not me. I don't mind somebody else doing it, but that's not me. That's not in my Venn diagram. And did I have doubts along the way when she was younger? Absolutely. Can she still be helpless about stuff? Absolutely. But me having guilt about not helping her move doesn't help her. It actually takes away from 
what she's accomplished. She found this apartment. She overcame my objections, right? She's moved in. She's figured things out. She's really proud of herself. Me having guilt puts a burden on her ability to have pride in herself. So hold that space for your kids instead of having guilt. What really do they want from you? What really do you have the capacity to give? Focus on that. And then the other thing is, as you're thinking about that and focusing on that, one of the things that helped me probably about 10 years ago is my good friend, Michelle Woodward, who's been a guest and a co-host on the show. But the thing that she said to me, because her kids are a bit older than mine, and she said, what's the vision you have for your child when they're an adult? What's the relationship you want to have with them when they're 25, 35, or 45? And thinking about that, because sometimes we beat ourselves up over the small stuff when really, is it something that they're going to remember? And you don't know what they're going to remember. They may hold it against you. My kids, there's plenty of mistakes, falling down moments that they'll remind me of or hold against me or misinterpretations. But what's the vision you have? And you have to look at the whole trajectory, the whole picture. So an example of this, we're going to step out of parenting for a second, and I'm going to talk about swimming. When I'm teaching swimming, coaching swimming, I know the risk. The risk is that kids can drown. So if we have a new kid come in, (laughs) we know that kids can drown. My staff knows that. And that's not allowed on the Aqua Monsters. That's like a really bad business model, right? But what I'm doing is I'm focusing on getting the kids across the pool to the other side. I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen. And I also have to evaluate what's their skill set. What do they have the ability to do? What do they not have the ability to do? So I need to hold the vision of where it is that we're going. The vision originally when they're young is, okay, we're going to get across the pool and I'm paying attention to making sure that they don't drown. You must mitigate the risk. That's the boundary. And then over time, as I get to know the kids and, you know, as they're growing up and I get to be, I'm really fortunate. We get to be with the kids for two years, three years, hopefully minimum to 10, sometimes 12 years. So the goals eventually pivot and they grow and they change. And I can hold these visions and these intentions for them that they may not know. And then at some point the parents will say, well, you know, my kid wants to do this. I'm like, okay. And the parents are like freaked out. Like, how could that be possible? I'm like, it's totally possible because I've been holding that vision and we can get there and we'll figure it out. We're going to fall down. We're going to go backwards. We're going to go sideways, all of that but we keep holding that vision. Now, this is different than (laughs) thinking that your kid should be X, you know, like a lot of clients that I coach are, you know, doctors or lawyers that they're doing the jobs they should do. And so the jobs that they wanted to do because their parents said that they needed to. So I'm not saying that, but like, what's the vision you have? And then they're going to figure out the details, but what's the space you're holding for them, right? Like my vision is I want confident, reliant, you know, contributors to society, right? Not to be takers from society. Like I want them to contribute. That's a pretty broad net and how they contribute. I'm not saying that they have to be donors or they have to self-sacrifice or work for free. I'm not saying that, but they're going to be contributors. They're going to figure out their ways to be contributors. And what we've done in our home is to talk about that a lot, be examples of that, lead that, of how do we contribute to the world? How are we socially responsible? to the world. And then they're going to figure out what that looks like for them. What are the details in for them? That's what I'm talking about. So we want to hold that space for them. 
And again, the space that I hold for these kids is that I'm open. It's filled with possibilities for the child to pivot, to fall down, get back up, quit, come back, and then go after their desired goals. Not my goal, but theirs. Like I will always explain to the kids that your awards are yours. My job is to help you get there. They're your awards. I don't live vicariously through you. I already have my awards. I've already had my career. I don't even consider myself a swimmer. I'm a former swimmer from a different century. My job as a parent, my job as a swim coach, my job as a life coach is to believe in the people that I serve, hold them accountable at the appropriate levels that they're at, and look at how I am contributing as well as getting in their way. And definitely as a coach, I'm much more holding space, but as a parent, how am I contributing? How am I getting in their way? And how I contribute is, am I leading by example? Am I saying, go after your dreams? The world is totally open for you. It's your oyster. And then I'm hiding away in my own life. I'm not leading by example. If I'm saying that I must align with it, right? And that's also, I guess, as a life coach and a leadership coach, like if I am, you know, having my clients advocate for themselves in their workplaces, am I doing that in my own life? So am I contributing to that or am I talking theory, but not living it? One of the things that I am proud of myself is that I live what I teach and I coach. So I do that. I really work on staying aligned in those arenas. So whether it's in my life coaching, leadership coaching within the aqua monsters or as a parent, not always aligned. I get out of alignment. It's just like the tires on my car, but then I work on getting back into alignment. So as a parent, as a mother, decide what it is that you need to live your one precious life. What is it you need right now? And it's going to change as we go into the different seasons of our lives, different chapters of our lives, it's going to change. So what you may need when they're young may be different than when they're older, but what do you need personally, professionally? What does your family need? And where do the areas overlap? And then this is really important. Who else can do the rest? It's not supposed to be all on you. Who else can do the rest? One of the quotes that I always go back to, to remind myself, to remind me, it's my responsibility to lead my life to, it's not selfish to pursue my lifelong dreams is this quote by Carl Jung. The greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. I want to live my life according to my terms, my beliefs, being brave, showing up, really creating the life that I want to as a deliberate creator, to be an example to my kids of what is possible, to give themselves the freedom and the permission that they can create the lives that they want, whatever it is. It's their life as long as they're responsible for it and I'm not paying for it, right? There's that boundary around it. But what's the life that they want to create? What are their terms? What are their values? What are their priorities? And what I know is mom's guilt is not going to help them get there. It's going to burden them. It's going to burden them. It's going to burden me. So let's make a pledge to ourselves to let go of this mom's guilt because it doesn't serve anybody. Well, that's not true. It serves the system. It serves the establishment. It serves, you know, those who keep us small. It serves other people, but it doesn't really serve our kids. It really doesn't over the long haul because maybe they get what they want short term, but it's not going to be beneficial for them for long term versus them seeing a mom living with a mom 
who is creating the life that she really wants, because then you're teaching them that they can create the life that they want. And isn't that what we want for our kids? So we must give it to ourselves. Then if we give it to ourselves, as Brene Brown says, you can't give what you don't have. So give it to yourself so that you can give to your kids. And yes, it's hard and it's messy and it's exhausting and all of that. Parenting is the hardest thing I do on a day-to-day basis. And I fail way more than I succeed. And I have these amazing adult children. And not because I'm this stellar mom, because I have not been. <laughs> it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the biggest gift I've ever received. So with that, I invite you, please, let's take this pledge and let's let go of mom guilt because it doesn't serve anybody. And instead, what we can ask ourselves from very compassionate place, these are the questions that my friend Renee Sievert taught me. What's working well? What can be improved? Because we can always improve and we're going to fall down and let's get back up together. All right. Here's to letting go of mom's guilt. Now, before we go, are you signed up so that we're connected beyond the podcast? I know I get the privilege of being in your ears, but also let me into your inbox. I send you letters that I write on Sundays. They're nice, quick, short reminders, pick you ups filled with lots of love. There's also can be invitations when I've got coaching opportunities or group coaching opportunities or workshops. So you definitely want to be in the know and go to the show notes links and sign up. That way you never miss out. All right, my friend, smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wild.